Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Yes. Not much. Gee, boys, that's so grateful sounding. <laughs> Sorry. Because um, I want to tell you what I got. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm a humble person. So this is the, the scenario in my household, right? It gets to about October. Nico and I make this agreement that we don't need presents. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're so great. We, we don't need for things. We don't want for things. And does I'm, he adhere by that? Because no, this he happens doesn't. on our anniversary. He doesn't. That is the worst. I said, but, Karen, I, but no, but he do doesn't in the sense of no, no, no. He doesn't in the sense of then it gets to the start of December and he's like, actually, I want a gift and I want you to buy me something. <sighs> Correct. So, look, I got beautiful gifts. I got some books and I got a beautiful massage kind of – Nico bought me a whole, like, day, a day at the spa. Oh, that's Yeah, nice. so what I can just the book books? it in. Um, all sorts of different books. There's some royal books in there, which we'll have to oh. talk about because I've got some feelings about – Yeah, we about... have to do royal stuff. Yeah. <sighs> the royals, honestly. Um. Okay, hold on a second. Christmas. Let me ask a totally random, off-the-cuff question. What did you get for okay. Christmas? All right, Santa brought me, there was one big box, the biggest box of ever, of any of the presents. Yes. And it was mine and oh. I opened it and you know what was in there? What? An air fryer. My life has changed. I was looking at air fryers this morning. Have you got one? I don't know if I need one. You do need do one? I? Yes. What? You have no idea. What, what brand is yours? I don't even know. Oh. It's big enough for a whole family to fit food what? in it. It's the best. Well, part, well, let me first. I feel so- like it's one of those things that you open the drawer, you chuck the thing in and you, you shut the door yes. and then you, you want it to be magically transformed when you open the drawer. It is. Okay. You can put things in. What do you put in there? Well, well, I started with. We're like... well and truly back on the unrelated banter. <laughs> I... It has nothing to do with dead bodies. I love that people would just click on the the first episode and oh, dead bodies! I'd love a bit of that <laughs> air fryer. I had to tell some old. Um, so I had this reunion with a bunch of girls that I went to high school with. Years sure, ago, one of whom I hadn't seen for like forty years or more. Okay, probably closer to fifty years. That's a long time. Um, no, let's say forty. Oh no, I, oh, long time doesn't matter. Um, and uh, we get the subject of podcasts came up because yeah, right. there's one I'm addicted to. I'm just going to write its name down. No, so don't I'm, say it. Yeah, I know we don't have... do that on this right, podcast. We're it's, not friendly. It's called Heavy. It's not to do with death. It's called Heavy Weight and it's on Why Spotify. People only have so many trips to and from I've been work. obsessed with if it. If you're giving them somewhere else oh, to go. Well, we're not fulfilling their needs. Oh, okay. But if they know they can come here for reliable information heavy on another. Heavy weight. Heavy weight. Oh, yes. Say it again. Um, he's a guy that goes back and fixes things from people's lives. You know where they. Okay, tell me about the air fryer. Um, So I started with oven chips. You know, like the frozen ones. Can't get them anymore. There's a shortage. There is a shortage. Don't worry. Get your potatoes if you can. Can't get potatoes either. Oh well, fry something else then. Okay. Remember when I got the deep fryer? Yes. Got that, and we were frying everything. We were crumbing. We even one day we crumbed pieces of avocado and deep fried those, and it was great fun. We were deep frying apple. We're deep frying everything. Right. But delicious. Yes. Goods. (laughs) 
But <laughs> you know when you get something new and you just get so fucked up on it, oh. and you're like, put the avocado in, put we that, in, take my shoe. Yes. What would happen if we put? Well, Let's fry Where's some the bread. cat? And Let's then all of a sudden you're like, no, you've got to tone it down. Like you're losing your shit about it. Well, all the it's time, just me with, with the jewelry cleaner and put it yeah, anyway. Like you put a certain amount of oil in. Not all that oil is there when you cut. So you know you're eating it. It's bad. Yeah. The air fryer, no, the oil actually comes out of things. And I've been putting everything. You could even put like a pie in there and heat that up. It heats things up. Oh. But it fries. But, but, yeah, Simon's nodding Simon's because he agreeing. knows you have to get one. I promise you. And it's quick and it's hot. Because I saw one this morning before I came here for $180 and I could what? just get it. I couldn't work out if that's too much to spend because other people tell me I went to Kmart and I got one for 70 bucks. Oh, there's one. Yeah, there is a Kmart one. Google, there's an article that comes up that tells you the good ones. I don't know what my one is. I don't even think it's a brand that I know. But it, it's at night. I've got because okay. I've got a family, one of whom is six foot four and always hungry. Well, well, two of them are big over six okay. foot. Okay, all right. I think I might just go after this and just buy it. It's perfect for a working yes, woman. Okay, such Simon's as saying yes. Yes, not only because you don't have to fry. It's not. It's, all, it's not about fried things. Yeah, it's okay. about quick food quick. cooked really well. Okay, crispy on okay. the outside. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Go for it. Air fry. Right All right. Well, I'm glad we went light because yep. this story is heavy. Go for it. So this is the story of Renee Lau. I don't know if that rings any bells. And, I, and this is exactly the reason why I want to do this story because I, I think at the time this story was told and I think Renee has somewhat been forgotten in this town. So this is what, why I wanted to do this story. Renee Lau was born on the 26th of November 1981. She was actually born Yuck Ling Lau uh, and changed her, I think they call it your Australian name or your English name. Her name was Renee. Uh, she was 32 years old and she was the um, she, one of five children born to her parents, which lived in Hong Kong. She was a model student, a prefect at her school, and in 2009, she decided to move to Australia. So Renee had a boyfriend here. His name was Dennis, and he jokingly called her mungum, which is the Chinese word for allergy because she was allergic to everything. So it was kind of like a pet name, you know, they were. That's what he called her. They met in a hymn class and they were both hymn leaders. So at that time, uh, around 2014, Renee was working at Ganache Chocolate Shop on Turak Road in South Yarra. Mm. She was a pastry chef. Has it dawned on you? Mm. No. Oh, okay. Uh, she loved making sweet desserts. And it's here where we need to go to June 27 and 28 of 2014. Renee had spent some time on the 27th practicing hymns with her boyfriend Dennis for an upcoming performance at an aged care facility. She was meant to start work the next morning at... That is so nice. Hang on. Can I, I know. Oh, where's the terry belt? Salt of Hang the on. earth. Can I have my water bottle? Yes. No, no, that didn't even work. Ding. Thank you. Glenn yeah. 20. Hang on. Glenn 20? Oh. oh. It's, a, it's a hollow tin. Hang on. No, nah. that didn't work either. No. Nah. Um, I think I've mentioned I used to do some volunteer work in an aged care centre and it's yes. really hard to get people to, to come it? and because you, you think about it every day, all day, there's yeah. a lot of them are just sitting there yeah. and nothing interesting happens. If, if you have any kind of a talent, if you can play the flute, if you can tap dance, if you mm. can do quizzes, whatever you can do. Consider, I don't have any of those talents. Anything. Imagine we'll go sing. You and I. You and I. The, anything yes. like that. I've they been singing so to my dog lately. You want to know the song I've been singing? 
Could you be the most beautiful dog in the world? <laughs> and I sing it louder and louder as I and my husband loses his mind. And I stare <laughs> at them and I sing it. Well, bless them too yes. for going in and entertaining because it's something that's very much right? needed. Because so, often it would just be like old piano absolutely. players. Absolutely. And like she's pra- they're not just going, oh, we'll wing it when we get there. They're practicing the hymns. That's nice. Yes. Like so she spent some time practicing uh, and she was meant to start work the next morning at 6 a.m. She lived quite far from the city. So she spent the night at a friend's apartment in South Bank. In the morning, it was too early for the trams to be running and her friend said you could walk to Flinders Street Station and just catch the train to South Yarra from there. So that was her intention when she left her friend's apartment at around 5.15 on that uh, day in June. I'm reading from official records here, so I just want to acknowledge that the next couple of words, they're not my own, um, but I think that they paint quite a good picture. The city in which we live, Melbourne, is a safe, in fact, a very safe place to live. Women walk around this city, around our suburbs. They travel to and from work, often alone. Shift workers, such as Renee, are often alone as they travel to their employment. They feel safe. They are comforted knowing and believing that this is a safe and civilised society in which they live. Like all parts of the world, there are some areas of our city or suburbs that, male or female, would probably not walk through or not think it was wise to walk through late at night. That's just common sense. St Kilda Road, a broad and well-lit avenue skirting apartments, theatres and the botanical gardens, would not be one of those. Renee Lau would have felt safe as she headed off to work in the early hours of that morning, having stayed overnight at a girlfriend's apartment. And that's correct. That area mm. there that you're describing is is beautiful. There's big it's trees. It's one of the most lawn. beautiful parts of our city. It's peaceful in the distance. Yep. You've got, you know, the government well houses in that area sort of in the distance. Yep. Yeah. We've yeah. just started, I think, putting new train stations kind of through exactly. that area because it's so... wide roads, yeah. so there's cars about and yep. stuff. Yeah. So at this time, and this story I think is a real sliding doors story for me, it's there's two people involved and it just, it's that thing where it's a matter of minutes could have changed everything. Mm. So I need to bring in Scott Allen Miller. Scott Allen Miller was a homeless man and he was living in Melbourne. People had tried to help him, providing him with clothing and bedding, concerned about the increasing cold weather at that time, given he was living in the Botanical Gardens, which is that beautiful garden area we just spoke about, and he was sleeping in a rotunda. So a... How do you describe I know what a the rotunda, rotunda is? Well, yeah. it's, a, it's like a pavilion. Stru- yeah, structure with a yeah, roof on the top. But it's open. It's open. Mm. People get married in them, don't they? And they stand oh, in the rotunda. Yeah. yeah. Another one you mean, though. Yes. On June 27, 2014, uh, Miller went to the transport bar located in Federation Square, which is just down from those gardens. He arrived around 10 p.m. and he left just before 2 a.m. on the morning of June 28. Miller drank at the bar around seven drinks and he spoke to women at that bar. Upon leaving that bar, he headed to the Carlton Club Hotel in Burke Street. It was at that bar pub it was at that pub rather that miller became annoying he was talking to women he was being inappropriate he was making people uncomfortable the people didn't believe he was drunk just that he was being obnoxious he mm-hmm. was just to put it in an australian way he was being a dickhead mm-hmm. it was around five in the morning that miller was ejected from the pub after a woman told security that he was just an, he was annoying her he was pestering her 
Miller was having odd conversations with people too. It was on that night that he told a male that he could identify the type of a vag- of vagina that a female had just by looking at that female. And in that conversation with this man, he started pointing at different women around saying hers would look like this, hers would look like that. I bet he wasn't using the word vagina either. No, probably mm. not. At 5.07... I'd like to point out that we know Renee is leaving her friend's apartment at 5.15am. At 5.07, Miller walked down Swanston Street and was speaking to people, saying random things as he made his way through the city. Renee is, as I said, on the street at 5.15am. She walked up Coventry Street to St Kilda Road, as we said, a very public road, towards Flinders Street Station. She passes Miller on her way. What happens at this point is unclear, but we know that he's said something to her and he's frightened her to the point where CCTV in that area captures her running. She sprints. Mm. She just starts running and he chases her. Mm. She tries to escape him. He continues to chase her. Renee and Miller end up on a centre island on St Kilda Road. It is known that Renee tried to fight Miller with all of her might at this point. I know it's it's five in the morning, but but mm. it's it's stunning that nobody stay with that, me. That's a big, wide, mm. multi-lane road at that yeah. point. It's a major thoroughfare through yeah. Melbourne that no one came past. No trucky, no delivery person, mm. no no one getting up early to see or help. Yeah, so they're or on maybe this they did. I don't center know. I island and they're struggling. Renee was dragged from that centre island across the road and into the Victoria Police Memorial. Now, you would know what that memorial looks like. It's Mm. a semicircle uh, memorial with kind of slabs of, I don't know, something that kind of make this semicircle. It's got the names of all the Victoria Police officers who have died in their line of duty. So the reason in that it's known that Renee was dragged from that centre island is because later police found drag marks on it from her fingers. So they knew that she was um, clawing and trying to grab onto anything possible, probably to stop herself being dragged out of the light. The scarf she was wearing was found on the ground, as was her handbag. Miller punched Renee over and over. He bashed her head into the concrete floor again and again. She was unconscious with very significant head trauma at this point. Whatever he had said to her... Mm, Terrified her. If she was running away, it Mm. sounds like she didn't fight back at that point. I'm I'm not criticising her. I'm saying what I'm saying is that... She has not done anything to warrant this. This, correct? Like if she he said kicked something, him in the nuts or something, yes. then you no, could no, no, no. He, you can imagine him going, "Oh, you, you know, yeah. coming back." No, it sounds like she did nothing but run. Nothing, nothing. And he's gone after her with this fury. So what? She's done nothing to deserve it. Miller then dragged an unconscious Renee further into the grassy area away from the road. He stripped her naked <sighs> and he raped her. At 6.45, a passerby saw Miller. Renee was on top of him. She's unconscious. Both of them were naked. And at that point, this passerby who was had parked his car on St Kilda Road, I believe, and was cutting through the, the grass area to get somewhere, he thought what he was seeing was a couple having consensual sex. Yeah, this is familiar now, yeah. And he has just kind of gone, oh, I don't want to look, I don't want to look. Mm. Uh 
At this point, Miller placed some clothes on top of Renee to try to conceal her body, conceal her body, and he just walked away. He went back to the rotunda, collected his belongings, but he left his shoes and his bank card behind, which had fallen from his pocket during the attack. Now, it was around, it was the next morning that I believe, and I need to, a jogger found her lying there, and of course, a heavy police presence arrives. Miller went to a train station and ended up in Glen Waverley, which is a southeast suburb of Melbourne. It's about 30 k's away from where that attack took place. He bought cigarettes and a new pair of shoes because he was barefoot and began to hitchhike out of Melbourne. Now, every driver who picked him up was a woman, just by chance. So he's attacked this woman, he's raped her, and then just started Don't pick up hitchhikers. I know. Have you seen the doggo on Netflix? The uh, Kai, the hitchhiker, hatchet? Hitchhiker or something like that. No, it's only recently bobbed up on right. on Netflix, um, and it's about a hitchhiker who becomes a viral sensation right. because there's an accident. He intervenes and stops a guy attacking a woman, but then, and I don't want to spoil it if anyone hasn't seen it, but they they look into the past of mm. this hitchhiker. Bottom line is, don't pick up. I know, but all these women are just picking him up. Wow, and. No idea that he's just raped and wow. yeah. Miller ended up in Eden, and while he was asleep on a, on a beach, he was spotted by a police officer, and he was arrested. He was brought back to Melbourne to be interviewed, and before that interview began, he said to the cops, "How long do you get for murder?" Miller had cuts on him consistent with the attack, as well as the physical evidence they found at the scene: his shoes and his car there was also dna of his at the scene in the interview miller said i didn't even think about it i saw her i attacked her and i raped her and i hit her i can't remember how many times but i didn't intend to didn't intend to kill her and like i said i just exploded into this violent violent rage and before i knew it i was stunned and shocked and i left i picked up my bag left town and i heard god say to me You will be charged for this, Scott. And so I prayed for a couple of days and found myself on the beach. And then I saw the police officers turn up and said, you've been charged for murder. And that's the first time I heard about it being a murder. I didn't think she was dead. And that's all I'm going to say for the moment. You know, I regret it. And, you know, but like I said before, I really feel as though, you know, I've had 10 years of no friends and, you know, I had before a long time ago, I had schizophrenia and stuff like that and I hadn't been smoking pot for a long time and I just lately, I didn't think about it. She just happened to be there and I just turned into a, just exploded and it happened and before I knew it, I sort of felt like I was a bit possessed and I left. And like I said, I heard God say, you're going to be charged for this, Scott, and in a way, I'm happy because i I'll just be in jail and I'll have a place to stay and I'll have food and I'll be able to speak to people. So I do accept that I'm going to go to jail for this. I didn't intend to kill her. I didn't intend to murder that girl. And that's it really for now. That's it. Sounds like just a pack of excuses. Mm. And where's the sorry? Where's the remorse? There's none. Mm. It's just trying to minimise it. Oh, I didn't mean to. And just the, I'll have food. I'll have somewhere to stay. Yep. And that is reality for, for some. I've heard that before yeah. in my time at court that some are happy to go to jail because it gives them, they don't have to worry about anything. Well, at the risk of mentioning another podcast, mm. uh, last year I was obsessed with Bone Valley. Have right. you listened to no. that? 
Um, and it's a guy who's on, uh, I don't know if he's on death row, but he's certainly been in jail for many, many years in America for supposedly murdering his wife. Right. I, d- I believe he's innocent. I don't believe he did murder her. And he's getting quite old now. Mm. And I think everyone's had such a big look at the case. And I think most people agree. And there's a yeah. petition running to yeah. get, but uh, to try and My stomach get him is released. making the wildest noises. And I'm. S- is it? That's right. I've got a really I'm noisy so tummy sorry. too. I don't know why it's doing it. I'm not hungry. Uh, anyway, it's, yeah, um, it's just talking today. And so. Um, he, I think there was some sort of talk about him getting out of jail, but mm. this particular guy, I can't think of his name, in Bone Valley, I think he's actually is worried about what his life will be outside. In in jail, mm. he does so much work as like past, um, like yeah. as a pastor with with some yeah. of the other inmates, and he has things to do, and he runs the library and stuff. I think he doesn't know what his life would be outside. Side. Yeah. The life in jail for him is probably better at this point, which is probably for this guy locked yeah. up. The medical examiner concluded that Renee would have been alive for at least 35 minutes after she sustained her head oh, injuries. The judge said at sentencing, what you did to Renee Lau was positively evil. She was a young woman on her way to work when you literally dragged her off the street, violently bashed her, causing egregious injuries to her brain, face and neck, and then you just as violently raped and sodomized her. A total stranger. As I said earlier, behavior of this nature, rare though it is, is the reason that women feel frightened to be out in public, to walk down a street, to walk alone in this city in which they have every right to be out and about in. We have had marches on our streets about women being able to reclaim the right to walk safely and securely in this city and its suburbs. The courts can and will do all they can to ensure that women are safe. They can walk without having to have a male protect them or police officers to look after them. The sentences of the courts must and will reflect that. But here the tragedy does not just belong to the women of Victoria. It particularly belongs to the family of Renee Lau and Renee herself. For this was a real person that was murdered, a young woman doing no more than heading to work, a much-loved daughter, sister, girlfriend, a kind, caring, gentle soul whose life you have just taken away from all of those people as well as from her. People should know this young woman who died. She should not be just another statistic. That is one of the reasons her family are present, to ensure that we all remember that you're offending related to a loved human being. Miller was jailed for 33 years with a non-parole period of 28. But I think that we don't... Renee was, as you heard him say, there were marches in this city... As a result of now, is that a reference to Jill, um, Jill Ma, who we've covered, case correct, covered, yeah. in a previous uh, podcast? And I thought of Renee because I thought that I was reflecting who we'd covered, and obviously I did two parts on Adrian Bailey and Jill Ma, and I thought I just feel like people don't remember mm. Renee Lau as much. Um, and so I felt it was important to do that. And when I was reading through the sentencing online, I just thought the judge did such a beautiful job with the words well up, yeah. that were spoken in court to Miller and to her family. We actually had a really nice feedback about your story um, oh. report on the Adrian Bailey case. And I, I can't use the person's name. Sure. Um, 
but I do think it is important to say what they do. In fact, they say it in the um, email, so I'll just read it to you and we'll just say this is from Anonymous. Sure. Um, Hi, ladies. I'm completing my doctorate in forensic psychology and work within the forensic field. I just wanted to offer some words of support. I've just listened to Chanel's story on Adrian Bailey. Mm find it on the uh, pod app. Yes. Uh, And I wanted to let you know I can really relate to your experiences, Chanel. I too have had many moments where it's the little things like the car door against the wall that Mm. really affect me. As a psychologist, um, I get plenty of supervision, i.e. I see a psychologist to unpack my reactions. And your experience has got me thinking about how difficult it would be for reporters, particularly when a case is suppressed and you cannot release or let go of the information. Mm. I can also relate to that feeling of being in court with the perpetrator behind you. It's chilling and very uncomfortable. I hope you partook in plenty of self-care after the story. You did? So it uh, was the catalyst for me going to see a psychologist. Before that, I actually thought I was quite invincible and I didn't, but it was after I had that anxiety attack. Did I speak about that on the pod? I think I did. You did? Yeah. I I feel like is that around the time you and I met? I know it was it around the time. It may have been around that time. You talked to me about yeah. what you were doing to look after yourself. Yeah, and I do. And yeah. sometimes I go there and, you know, I just talk about all sorts of things. Yeah. My mother-in-law. But other times I do go there and just and offload. It was work. one of the things that made me look at you and go, this girl's pretty special. Oh, she's, yeah, she's thank you. She's got it together. Um she goes on to say, Anonymous, I appreciated your coverage of it. Like Dee, Dee I didn't know a lot of the details, but wow, that CCTV image is seared in my mind. Mm. Thanks for sharing the story and your reaction. I think it's really important to talk about how things affect us. I imagine a lot of your listeners may experience similar reactions. I had already decided to write to you before Dee, Dee started her story, and now I feel like I have to comment on it. I'm a long-time listener, and today was the first day I felt physically sick from the podcast. Mm. Not even joking, I was driving and I had to turn the aircon on because I got all hot and nauseous and it was six degrees outside I too found the dandruff really disturbing what was that yeah the um was it the description that he's he had dandruff must have been yeah I think it's due to a priming effect this is where exposure to certain stimulus affects our response to exposure to subsequent stimulus I've heard of drinking urine and eating feces before <laughs> brackets that in itself is pretty fucked up but never dandruff someone must have been eating dandruff oh I can't remember what that reference was uh, what a novel and absolutely disgusting concept <laughs> Uh, right when we think we're in the clear and I've recovered from the nausea, you throw in the feedback about the poor victim's head slipping back and her organs oh, falling out. Oh, yes, that's what, what it was. Visceral episode, guys. You've outdone yourself, I think. Nice things, nice things. Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous. Mm, thank you um, so much. I really yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, to know that, that someone, lovely. yes, because some of those details, that car, I think it, when I, if I have to park my car in a spot that's up against a wall, mm. it, I, that, I automatically think of that. Yeah, And no one else would think, you know, you're pulling into a tight car space, you wouldn't think of it, but that just triggers me. And I think those, the details of, of that will probably will stay with me. Not probably, they will stay with me for a really long time. Well, that's in bloomin' lot. Uh, Kirsten's still not here. and no, um, but we're not even a, mentioning her. She's gone. Shame, we're not talking. Yeah, what a terrible Whatever. shame. Who? 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 Are we talking who? About? who? Sorry, who? Pardon? <laughs> Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.